Älskar du den här podden? Stötta den genom IKAs nya supporterfunktion. Det är helt upp till dig hur mycket du vill bidra med och det finns ingen bindningstid. Klicka på länken i poddbeskrivningen för att visa din uppskattning och stötta podden. Have you catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Det här avsnittet av Onroaders podcast är sponsrat av Raider Power, men mer om det senare. In this week's episode we sat down with Kyle Mohan, who's a professional drifter in the US, and we jump into the conversation here where we talk about the new generation MX5 and why Kyle chose to run that for the 2016 Formula Drift season. Enjoy the show. Um, we were run- making the horsepower. But it just never, in the past couple of years, I had a hard time keeping up. Handling was great, angle seemed great, but it just seemed a little slow to respond. And uh, so I started looking at Mad Mike, and uh, even, you know, Turk, Gucci, Osbo, all with smaller cars. And Saito, struggling in the Skyline, but doing good the year before in the SC chassis. And all of a sudden I started to see that maybe I needed to go to a smaller chassis. But in, but didn't you try to lighten the car yeah, over we, the season? Yeah, we spent so much time and money lightening the RX-8. And it got better. It got better. Um, but because that chassis, the RX-8 chassis, was so old, uh, at the time, the rule book called for heavier wall tubing on the roll cage. Um, I made it excessively strong. So there were some areas that I just didn't want to cut the car apart. So with the evolution of the sport, the horsepower jumps... Uh, the, the, the amount of smoke that we're getting off tires, you know, in GT radial tires, I was watching Chelsea Denofa, you know, get some serious smoke and the RX-8 wasn't getting it. And, uh, we came to the determination that we needed to be lighter, um, that we needed to be lighter, light as possible. And that, uh, when I would hop in my RX-7, I always did well. Um, so we were like, what can we build that's still going to represent Mazda, still going to represent Mazda tricks, represent Kyle Mohan, you know, because we've got our brand over here. We've created our own product line revolving around rotary parts and uh, what we do. I've got porting templates and power steering brackets, and it's all all about the rotary. And I was like, Ariyama Mia can make it work. You know, they've got the third generation RX-7. They went from the, the RX-8 back to the third gen. And I was like, there it is. It's like if, if Ariyama Mia went back to a lighter chassis and is competitive, if Mad Mike went to a lighter chassis and is competitive, if the champions in Formula D are running smaller chassis, even if they're not light and being more competitive than 
there's my choice. I know what I need to do. And it was a hard choice, but that's when we made the choice to build a new car. And I remember uh, so well that people were uh, during the from Dai winning the championship in 2011 until maybe 2014. People were moving to heavier cars yeah. and wider tires for some reason. Mm -hmm. It was the trend. Yep. So you weren't you weren't off. No. But is I guess that you. Now, when Mad Mike mm -hmm. debuted his car and the FRS became very popular, popular and everything, I assume that it was the the right step to take. And by looking on your car right now, <laughs> it's like, man, it, it's it's great. And and Mad Mike has obviously performed well in his yeah. car and everything. And I'm curious, like, in comparison of all the cars you've driven and built. Is the MX-5 that you now have, is that the best car? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's wild because, you know, when I was building the car, we built that new MX-5, our 2016 car, um, in literally nine weeks. Between when Mazda helped us get the chassis to when we took it out for our first test was about nine weeks. Compared to the RX-8 you built? Which in. we had m more like... Uh, three and a half months and I was really stressed so when the, we were getting this car ready to go out to the track I was really wondering all of the things you just said like here was this trend to have the bigger cars uh, obviously the Mustangs um, you know in D1 the the Soars um, you know here in the US the S14s, 15s, uh, V8 powered cars all being very competitive um, I was really nervous about making this this jump and this choice, but um, the first time I got it to the track and actually experienced the quickness of the chassis, um, I knew that it was the right choice. And then so we did all this work, we, we make the horsepower, we, we generate faster response with the turbo. All the new stuff, new Haltech ECU, their new Elite Series. We've actually got a, a a Wi-Fi box in our car. I don't know. I'm probably giving away a secret right here, but um, you know, I'll help anybody set this stuff up. I I always tell people nothing's a secret in our shop, but I might forget to say something. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there any parts that are from the RX-8 on the new car? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the motor itself and the turbo we're running is actually closer to our 2014 uh, setup than we ran to anything else. Um, basically the same porting, same motor, um, the same differential setup. The MX-5 and RX-8 actually were very similar so a lot of our suspension setup, what we learned uh, from WiseFab and we're using a WiseFab setup on the car right now, um, were able to be kind of transferred over relatively easily. Um, some of it was still very much made from scratch. Um, a lot of it was made from scratch. But uh, at least the because we continued with the Mazda line, we were able to uh, carry a lot of our development over to the new chassis. How is it like getting a brand new car like that and just, I'm going to put the grinder in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the first day we took the car out to uh, Willow Springs and, you know, we got the GT radials on there and they got all these new parts, brand new turbo from Turbonetics, everything's still shiny. It's like just the, the little bit of, you know, steam and smoke is still coming off from the fingerprints. And <laughs> I was so nervous. Like, you know, I didn't want to scratch the window. I didn't want to scratch the roll cage. Um, 
you know, and, and so we joked, we were like, really all we wanted to do that day, and this was only a couple weeks before Formula D's first round, was just make sure it didn't catch on fire, that, you know, the tires cleared the fenders, and uh, really basic stuff, and we ended up laying down some good laps, and uh, having a lot of fun, Gucci was out there testing, and, and nobody had seen the car, so we rolled up, and the whole Gucci team was like, kind of like, what, what, the, what is this, and I was like, oh yeah, I built something new, you know, <laughs> Um, and, uh, luckily enough, we were able to keep it a secret right up until that first week. And we debuted it on the Monday before Formula D happened. And we're pretty proud of keeping it a secret and, uh, and building the new car in the short time that we did. So your, your car differs from Mad Mike's car, doesn't it? And then the exterior parts and some of the, especially sure. we're going to get to the, to the fenders and, and how yeah. the wheels look. Yeah. So Basically, me and Mad Mike have the same cars. Our, our geometry, the Wise Fab kits, it's all basically the same stuff. Um, you know, and that's why when I, like when I, I said, I saw Mad Mike's car move and I'd seen him over here in the RX-8. Um, and I just all of a sudden I saw that trend or I felt like I saw the trend switching from these big cars to these small cars. But, um... I had no idea Mad Mike was going to be rebodying his car for 2016. So when we were building our car, I really thought like I was going to be the only one debuting this style for the year. And then I saw him debut the the bodywork and I was just like, "Ah, oh, how could he do that?" And so it became a challenge for me to create a different look. Again, kind of like be in that artist mind, uh, always, you know, running my own team for the past, you know, 10 years now, 13 years. Um, I was like, wow, we really have to differentiate ourselves. So I made it really a focus to try to create as low and as wide and like the evil twin of Mad Mike's car. So I was like, I need a bigger wing. I need a wider stance. I need to be lower and I need to be darker. And I hate to say that. Sorry, Mike. Like, uh, you know, you're the homie. But when I saw your car, I was like, my car has to be more evil. So that's just the way we went. <laughs> oh wow! And I can I can definitely yeah. see the, the 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 evil twin theme. Yeah, when, when yeah. Standing, when getting the car side by side. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, and you did something else mm -hmm. with uh, the car that made some <laughs> some both rumors and speculations, and mm -hmm. then a lot of hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the front end, I'm assuming, is what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. About. Oh, so, yeah. You know, when we were building the car, we had nine weeks. And uh, we looked at every type of fender option we could try to. And nobody had debuted a body kit that was really available for that car yet. Mad Mike ran into the same issue. All of his stuff's custom. Um, Rocket Bunny debuted their kit right after SEMA at the Tokyo Auto Salon. But when I contacted them... They didn't really have anything in production. They just had the couple kits that they made as showpieces. And uh, I all of a sudden realized that, like, there's no way I'm getting any bodywork for this car. So I've done fiberglass work for years. I've created parts from scratch. So we kind of set out to make the rear fenders and the side skirts. And I wanted to make sure it had that low drift look and... Again, differentiating, you know, Mad Mike went with the Rocket Bunny side skirts. I was like, you know, I want more of that BN, you know, flared out look at the bottom. I want it to look like it's low to the ground. Um, you know, I wanted the rear fenders to sit low and tuck over the wheels. So we ended up uh, 
you know, you're probably going to laugh, but, uh, you know, I've got obviously body kit sponsors. So we went to like the warehouses and just kind of looked around through the warehouses, trying to find any kind of fenders that would work. And, uh, what ended up working for the rears, giving away a secret here, but, um, we're going to call it a KMR rear MX-5 fender for the 2016. But, um, basically we took an RX-8 Mazda Trix wide body front fender and reshaped it. Um, oh, wow. So that way we didn't have to start and make a mold from scratch. Uh, still was a bit of a challenge to, to reshape it, but uh, we actually used a front fender as a rear fender. And it gave us the look we were looking for. And the side skirts, um, same thing. We didn't want to start from scratch. We used a, basically a BN Sports S14 and reshaped it, recut it, reglassed it, and shaped it to the look we wanted. Um, you know, so if you're, if you're ambitious enough, you can make whatever you want. So then we got onto the front fenders where all the hate is derived from. Oh yeah. And, uh, we, we sourced all kinds of different fenders. I've got a pile of fenders in my shop right now that didn't work. So it's not, you know, everybody hates me for this, this look, but it's not like we didn't try. And my goal was to get a really wide stance. I wanted to have 70 degrees of angle minimum. Uh, I wanted to be able to use the full wise fab setup and, and to get that on the MX-5, that nose is so narrow, um, it really started to become an issue. And so we start, we finally found a, a pair of fenders that would work. And uh, we ended up using basically a Rocket Bunny style front fender. But when we put the tires on there, even when it wasn't at ride height, in the ride height I wanted, which was down Slam. to the ground, yeah, um, there was no way. And so we were like, all right, we're just going to cut fender away until we can steer the car until the car's at the ride height. And originally I kind of intended to reshape the fenders. So everybody out there, my original intention was to make a fender. But I cut all the fender away and I'm standing there and I'm looking at the headlights and I'm looking at this like wild car with this three rotor in it. And the front tires are sticking way out, and I've got all this angle. And all of a sudden, all these like images of uh, like Group B rally and early Formula One and um, hill climb cars, Can Am cars started popping in my head. And it was like all of the cars I think of are the ones that changed the rule books, um, changed the opinion of what was normal, changed the opinion of what you should do, the six wheeled Torelli Formula One car. Um, you know, crazy creations that people do. And here I am like wedging a thousand horsepower three rotor in an MX-5, quick change rear end, four speed gearbox, radiators in the back, twin double pass oil coolers in the front, full dry sump, big turbo sticking out of the hood. And I'm like, why do I need to do what everybody does? Why do I need to create these front fenders to cover up this amazingly like angry looking nose and uh, so I never in my head did I like think about all like the poke and the stance and everything that's going on I just wanted to make something that was badass <laughs> and, and didn't the uh, rule book say something about so, this so I look in the rule book and the rule book doesn't say anything about how much tire needs to be covered and I've already got like four or five rules that have been written because of me <laughs> so i'm no stranger to pushing pushing the rule book and it was nice so you know i had the tech director by and i, I had to show him the car and i kind of like turned the wheel so it wasn't super obvious <laughs> you know, i'm not 
not trying to get myself in trouble. And I was like, what's the rule on, you know, front tire coverage? And he was like, well, there's no real rule. Um, you know, I haven't, haven't had an issue with that yet. It's like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. And so, you know, that's when I kind of made up my mind. I was like, there's no rule. I think it looks hard. You know, I think it looks crazy. You know, it does. Like it or hate it, I, I don't mind. I mean, the people that hate it, I totally understand. Yeah, it's not traditional. It's not the the Haraguchi, um, you know, Orido, uh, Nomuken style. But nothing about Formula D is. No, I mean, yeah. people have been running like yeah. Vongeten Junior yeah. has been running Mexi Flush for oh, years. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Maybe not that much, no, but still no. a lot. I pushed it. I pushed it. That's for <laughs> sure. And I want to say something about the Mexi Flush. So everybody's been like saying, well, it's like, you know, it's like the, the Mexican, you know, poke. And well, I grew up in Long Beach. I'm from Southern California. So that's totally normal to my surroundings. Like, I grew up around low riders. I'm 10 minutes from Compton. You know, I, I go to L.A. So that style is, you know, my dad hates it. But that's because, you know, I think he was that early generation. I grew up, I love low riders. You know, put some 100-spoke Daytons on an Impala. Yeah, it's sure not what the Impala was meant to be as far as a muscle car. But to each their own. Everybody's got their style everybody's got what they want out of a car and that's where like my artistic brain is like you know how can I hate somebody's individual style so it's like again you know when people are like how could you Mexican lowrider this MX-5 I'm like eh. I'm from Long Beach and to me that was just like the wildest creation I could think of and may maybe I'll put some fenders on it I'm not gonna say for sure but uh, right now i I like the way it looks. I'd say so, it's, it's heritage. Yeah, there. yeah. It's like, you know, and and like you said, I mean, it's not the first Formula D car to have an aggressive uh, front poke like that. And and part of the problem really is that nobody made fenders for it and Wise Fab is so aggressive. But I kind of like it. To me, it's like this really awesome hill climb car, Pikes Peak car, you know. I always wanted an open wheel car. I want to drive a Formula One car. I'm not going to lie. Like, give me give me something open wheel. I'll drive anything. I saw Ryan Turk is going to drive a Formula Ford. I'm jealous. So, you know, it's my open wheel drift car until somebody tells me I can't do it. Can you see the wheels from the cockpit? I can. And in, and in the rain, the, the amount of spray that comes off of them with no fenders was crazy. Wow. But, uh, you know, we did all right in the rain in Long Beach. Um, I was actually wishing that we had a full wet track when I ran at Formula D. I kind of got that semi-dry, semi-wet, and uh, I blew it. I hit a wet spot and spun it. So, disappointed in myself. Two weekends in a row, honestly. But uh car is amazing. Car's by far the fastest drift car I've ever gotten to drive. And uh, now I can see, you know, last year when I watched Mike and uh, even Danny George back in the day, um, the char those chassis were very fast. Oh wow, Danny so, was definitely the fastest car yeah. his last year he drove. Yeah. He was way faster than anybody else. Yep. So I was thinking when you mm -hmm. uh, built this MX-5, I was like, man, I think I think Kyle's going to be dangerous. It, it is, it is. And uh, I got to get used to it. 
you know, I won't even lie about it. It's an amazing car, but I've only gotten to drive it like two, three times right now. So we're going to try to go get some practice before Georgia, you know, the crew's doing maintenance right now. And, uh, I can't wait to climb the hill in Georgia because I already know it's going to be awesome. Take a quick break. Mm -hmm. uh, this is this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, we've covered a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is there anything else that you want to cover, like back, you know, like the things we've talked about? Is there anything that you want to shine a light on? Because my thought is to, I really want to talk about the engines. Mm -hmm. I really want to get technical. Okay. Like something that people can get people over yeah. the fence mm -hmm. to liking rotaries. I love them. Yeah. I absolutely adore them. Um, but I know people are not, ah, the fucking Apex Seals mm -hmm. stuff and everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know all that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about that. Uh -huh. Like, the, the thing that got me over the fence is you talking about them. Mm-hmm. That's what got me from saying, nah, I'm not sure about the rotaries, to, oh my god, I fucking love them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want other people to feel as well. Uh, so I think that we, we should talk about the engines. Uh, we should also talk about uh, you driving NMX5 against the other FD drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, and how, how long, which was for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and also looking forward to like the other events yeah. and what you aim for. And also... I think we'll start there and we'll see where things takes us. Okay. Um, I just don't know how to phrase this, where we should, because we're talking about Long Beach right now, so we should mm -hmm. probably... Talk a little bit about Long Beach and then yeah. phase into maybe motors or yeah. something. Yeah, Okay. Um, speaking of Long Beach, I mean, the weather was... I, I heard, I'm, not, I'm mm -hmm. not from around here, but I heard... This is the first time it has rained in Long Beach during FD, like as of the the, the actual elimination rounds. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, this year was the first time that we actually got rain during eliminations at FD in Long Beach. I had the opportunity to drive Long Beach in the rain in I think 2012, but that was during the team drift at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of a unique experience. And because it's a street course, you get the oil seepage up from the ground when it rains. Um, Long Beach, it doesn't rain a lot, so the buildup's pretty bad. And then on top of it, the FD course has multiple transitions between asphalt and pavement. That's right, because it's yeah. a parking it's lot parking and, lot a, and uh, a street. Oh, yeah. So it's horribly inconsistent. And uh, I was really unsure about taking the brand new car out in the rain a convertible in the rain at long beach for basically the first day of competition driving that's right you didn't have a roof on it no roof right so luckily enough it wasn't bad at all so you know we kind of made a little lexan like just canopy for me to keep the rain off of me and we went out there and it was actually surprisingly good you know the gt radials are a good rain tire and uh even though I'm from California and I'm not supposed to be a good rain driver, I've had some decent success in the rain. So we got lucky. I kept it out of the walls and, uh, you know, we, we did all right out there. It was an interesting first round though. I mean, I think it's the first time in Formula D's history that they've ever had to 
cancel basically qualifying. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. Never happened in the 13 years of Formula D's history. But I personally think they made the right choice. Um, there was They'd already crashed five cars, and did, did we really even need to crash those five? I think uh, it was pretty obvious that the majority of the field was really having a hard time getting through the turns, depending on the tire you were running, um, depending on the car and the size and how it handled. It seemed like uh, it was a really, really difficult track for a lot of people. And uh, Although I'm always in favor of, of giving the best show possible, um, my personal opinion was we needed to give the best show possible on Saturday. And if we went out there and qualified... I know I would have been trying to get first place. I'm not going to go out on the track and not try to win. Even if the crew tells me a hundred times over, take an easy run, don't worry, you'll qualify. As a driver, you get to the line, you see red. I, I go for it. I go for it. That's just how I am. And, uh, you know, I don't think any of us needed to go out there for qualifying. And so... I think uh, it was an unfortunate decision, but I think it was the right decision that Formula D made. Um, that way we got to have a full field on Saturday, and it turned into a really good event. You know, GT Radial, Chelsea Denofa, first place. I got to give a shout out to the homie. You know, it was, it was awesome watching him do it. Um, you know, I went out in the first round. I spun in the hairpin. I'm going to say that I hit a wet spot. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I was pushing really hard. The car was brand new. The car just looped on me in the hairpin. And uh, and uh, whether it was wet or it was me, it's hard to say. But uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the next rounds we'll have some success with it. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in, like, what's it like building a brand new car? Uh, everything is literally brand new for mm -hmm. you. And putting that car on the start line for the first time in Long Beach. I know you did some testing, yeah. but Willow is a very wide track. There's actually a lot of room mm -hmm. to, to make mistakes. Yeah. In Long Beach, it's a whole other ball game. Like, what's the first lap for you? Is that like, I, I, I guess it's going to work out? or You know, um, I got to say, I don't think about it. Um, once I'm in the car and I'm lining up and uh, you do your burnout in the burnout box... I don't think about it being a new car. I don't, you know, it's like people have asked me, uh, you know, cause I, I've had some hard crashes and when you come back from one of those, are you thinking about it? And it's like, I guess I'm lucky. Uh, once I'm in the car and I'm strapped down, all I think about is driving and, uh, you know, and when it comes to the driving part, you know, your, your best runs are instinct. They're, you're not thinking about anyways. So I think I just try to, uh, I really focus on clearing my mind and uh, being calm and relaxed, as, as odd as that sounds, you know, you're lining up to the start line to drive this, this thousand horsepower car for the first time. Uh, just kind of act like it's something I've done a million times over. So the first time I lined up at Long Beach in that car, never even crossed my mind that, you know, once I was there in the pits when I was strapping in and I had like all the family around me, that's I think when I was like, all right, this better work out. I've got to put this together right now. All, all of the, the, the talent, the, the crew's work, it all's going to matter right now. But um, once I get down to the start line, it's all just time to drive.
All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I guess that uh, it's common again uh, yeah. among drivers actually that they they don't focus on. I guess it yeah. drives you crazy. Like yeah. W- when you crashed, like, are you? What was the worst crash that you've done? I've had a few good ones. I think the worst crash I had was in Las Vegas, and I think it was two thousand eleven or so, and. Uh, we had been doing some work on the car in between uh, top 32 and top 16. And uh, somebody had undone an Adele clamp that held down a brake line. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't notice. The crew member obviously meant no malicious harm. Lesson learned. Uh, always pay attention to what the crew's doing and crew needs to pay attention to what they're doing. And uh, so without that Adele clamp holding that brake line down, it was braided stainless. Uh, I did my first battle against Michael Essa and we got a one more time. And when I stopped for the, uh, for the one more time call, I had turned my wheels just to kind of hold the car. I don't like to keep my foot on the brakes, uh, turn the wheel, locks up the diff a little bit so you don't roll away. And uh, when I turned the wheel, it kinked that brake line, braided stainless line over towards the turbo manifold. And, uh, you know, no idea at the time. And uh, so I line up to the start line and I put my foot on the brakes and it's fine. Everything seems fine. And uh, we launch and uh, if I remember correctly, Formula D clocked me at like 114, which is one of the fastest initiations of the night. And you know, I'm not gonna lie, Essa and me had talked before the event and he was like, hey, I think you're faster than me. Give me a little pace off the line. And so the first run I paced him and we got it one more time. And I was like, well, that's dumb. I wanna win. So I'm gonna nail it. And my crew was like, hey, put, put, you know, no offense to Essa, he won a championship, so he's done fine for himself. This was before that. He was like, put, you know, hey guys, put Essa away. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go for it. And I knew we had top speed on him. And so I went in there with all my effort, just lighting the tires, fourth gear. And uh, Formula D, I think said 113, 14, 15, something like that. And I whipped in and went for the foot brake just to set the front end. And I felt it pop. Like I felt the brake start to to hold, and then I felt the pedal pop and go to the floor. And it was the longest, like four or five seconds ever, just sliding, looking at the wall, kind of making a decision. And the first thing that went through my mind was, "You're gonna crash. Um, get on the gas, or or get on get on the e-brake. What are you gonna do?" And at the point in time, two things went across my mind: if I get on the gas, I might miss the tire barrier. And I don't want to pancake the concrete alone. That's that's going to hurt. Um, and the second, second thing was, don't go in nose first. All the money's up there. <laughs> don't kill all the money. So I grabbed the e-brake, and my setup was, uh, you know, masters separated. So the e-brake still worked. It was a front brake line that popped. And I just I grabbed the e-brake and rotated the car and just held the e-brake until I rotated far enough to where I came in with the back end first. And uh, I remember looking at photographers thinking, I hope I don't kill a photographer like as I backed into the tire barrier and it kind of went, you know, lights out for a moment. I remember being in the air and uh, I remember like hitting the ground and then I remember the safety worker being there and Larry Chen told me, he's like, hey, you were head down for like, you know, 10 seconds. And I was like, no, I wasn't. Like, he's like, think about it. He's like, how long did it take the safety worker to get to you? And I was like, man, they were there really quick. He's like, no, (laughs) no. Like you were, you took a little nap for a couple, couple. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Seconds. I was like, oh, all right. But, uh, you know, that was by far the worst crash and. uh you know, and, and right after that, we put the car back together, had it at the next round. Um, it was a pretty bad crash. We had to replace quite a bit of stuff, but um, crew's awesome. We got it back together. Mazda Tricks is awesome. And uh, went to the next round and did well. I think that year was the year we finished, uh, you know, very close to top 10. Did you car. hurt yourself during the crash? No injuries. No injuries. Went to the hospital, got checked out, but all the safety stuff worked great. You know, Sparco, everything. Um no injuries. Walked oh, that, away. That's that's yeah. lucky. Got out under my own power. You know, uh, Formula D wanted me to get checked out because it was a hard hit, and I did, and uh, I was fine. So that was good. So I always tell people it's you know I broke my ankle skateboarding and broke my knee skiing and and like I've fallen out of trees and and off of downhill skateboards and and just generally have destroyed myself. But uh, I can crash at over a hundred in a race car and be fine. So right now I am doing the safer sport in my life. So everybody's like, you, you know, how, isn't it scary, you know, doing something so dangerous? No, 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 this is safe for me. So <laughs> I, bet it, I, I bet it was the, the nap that saved you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I definitely had that Ricky Bobby moment. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I think that was probably the last year they had Vegas. Vegas. I think we went back to Vegas one more time. Okay. Um, one or two more times. There was another yeah. guy who yeah. flipped at Vegas. I think Jim Guthrie. Yeah, Guthrie. Yeah, he Gunther, did it the yeah. year after. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, different track layout, but yeah, he did yeah. it good. That car's back around. Oh, yeah? There's a guy in Pro Two running that car. So oh, wow. they put that car back together. There were a lot of pictures of of uh, both you crashing yeah. and also him. And I was like, yeah. Las Vegas is dangerous. Yeah, it was Just one the... of my famous moments right there, <laughs> crashing at Vegas. Me and Dai Yoshihara, I think, have the some of the two of the bigger crashes there's some other really good ones um can't take away anything from in, anybody you know gushi gushi's had some big ones too but um and jr yeah, jr all oh, his his texas crash last year was huge yeah that was scary that was scary that was scary so <laughs> i, I, I want to move away from crashes it's, it's <laughs> uncomfortable um i want to talk a little bit about like your long beach event was mm, 
moderate in the yeah. results that you produced. Yeah. Uh, and the reasons were, well, a, a ton of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, but one of them not being the engine. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that, uh, as, as I stood on the, the stands watching you, and your car is just on fire. It's like rev limiter, just mm -hmm. banging away. How much does that rev? Uh, we've got the red line set at a uh, ninety five hundred right now. No, that's that's so it's pretty reasonable. I built the motor to handle ten thousand RPM and forty pounds of boost. Wow! And we're not running it there yet. Wow! So, um, it should make well over a thousand if we get it to that point. Um, the last time we dynoed it and we got a decent pull on it where it didn't spin the tires. We were just shy of nine hundred. But that was on low boost, without the nitrous, and we have increased the timing and the fuel octane since then. So it's hard to say. I always tell people it's a thousand horsepower motor, and it is by all means over the on the flywheel side. But uh, as soon as I actually get the thousand horsepower to the wheels measured on the dyno, I will post it for sure. But I know it's it's in that range. So I remember hearing your car um, yeah. at the Motegi mm -hmm. drift event. Uh, it was awesome seeing your car at night, yeah. first of all, and just banging away. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm I'm curious to know, like, how do you build an engine like that? Like you've always said, oh, these yeah. things loves boost and they yep. they are reliable and everything. It's like rotaries get a lot of shit. They really do. Absolutely. All the Apex yeah. shit and, you know. Oh, I've spent a good part of my life defending the rotary and the Apex seals in general. And what I always tell people is, is you never hear a piston guy say, oh, my piston ring just, just broke. It just happened. <laughs> no, there's always a reason. You detonated, you did something wrong. You know, things don't just spontaneously break and go out the exhaust. And that's my opinion of the Apex Seals is when you really get down to it, there's always a reason. You ran out of fuel, too much timing, too much heat. Um, and I never feel like it's the Apex Seals fault. In the few times I've blown up motors, we're always able to pinpoint what the issue was. And it's usually an auxiliary component, not the rotary motor itself at all. And so that's why I always tell people the, the motors are amazing. Like they're, I think they're stronger than a, than a piston motor. When you talk about a piston motor, I mean, other than Osbo, I think it's hard to compare displacement to horsepower. Um, V8 guys are in the same horsepower range that we are, and we're a two liter, and they're 5.7 and up. So we're killing them as far as displacement goes. And uh, the power band we have right now with the nitrous system on is from basically 3,600 to 10,000, or 9,500 RPM. I'm not pushing it to 10 right now. So it's a pretty wide power band. So I know that with this new car and with this, this motor setup, we're going to be competitive. The past two years, I feel like uh, we couldn't get the RX-8 to be uh, competitive with the rotary. But uh, like I said earlier, looking to all these other teams, I kind of found the inspiration and feel like we found it now. But uh, getting back to the rotary, you know, it all just comes down to building a strong bottom end. And uh, it's not easy. I think the biggest mistake people make with rotaries is they think they're just going to buy a rotary and slap a turbo on it and make a ton of horsepower. And it will for a couple minutes. 
Um, just like a piston motor would, you buy an LS motor, slap a turbo on it, don't increase the fuel, it'll run for a while, and then it'll blow up. Um, same thing with the rotaries. Um, the difference is, is with the 100% duty cycle, there's no intake and exhaust like a piston motor with a rotary or 100%. Every time the rotor comes around, it's intake, exhaust, spark. Um, no 50% like a piston motor. So you're generating a lot more heat, uh, a lot more volume of air being moved um, and so everything becomes a lot more important because it doesn't have any time to relax as a air pump as a combustion engine um, so when you're adding all of this up the fact that you're using a 1.3 liter or a 2 liter motor and you're creating 300 to 1000 horsepower um, if you were working with a piston motor you'd take a lot more precaution as to tuning a, a two liter piston motor to this high high volume of horsepower. But I think people overlook that because the reputation of the rotary is mixed between good and bad. So people buy them and expect the world, but don't take the time to, to build what's necessary. So the bottom line is, is fuel system is extremely important. Um, rotaries have a higher brake specific of fuel consumption, 20% more. So if a, fuel pump says it's good for a thousand horsepower in a rotary it's good for 600 <laughs> and don't let anybody tell you otherwise um fuel injectors um same thing if if, if it's okay for a thousand horsepower in a v8 then it's only good for half that in a rotary if that um and you need a, an area of cushion people will take rotaries and they tune them to where they're within 90 percent of the injector duty cycle fuel pressure all of the the areas that are of caution and uh, rotaries you need a nice cushion so we never push them you know within that 20% threshold of injector duty cycle um, we always allow ourselves a cushion because depending on heat where you are in the atmosphere elevation wise um, and how the car's feeling you could easily exceed some of those those areas and that's where you run into de detonation and yeah rotaries you detonate it's done coming out the exhaust coming through the turbo um, so I think it's just a matter of of taking the time to do a proper setup if you do a proper setup with a rotary I've had motors for seven years make 500 horsepower and with no issues selling the car to Cambodia right now original motor that we had at the Red Bull uh, for uh, Red Bull Formula Drift uh, World Championship. Um, it's never blown up. We ran a year, two years of time attack, three years of Formula Drift. Um, I've missed shifts. We've lost fuel injectors. We've lost fuel pumps. I've overboosted. It's fine. Uh, very proper tuning a lot of effort put into the tuning and, and the safeties that the computer can control and a lot of effort just put into the setup and monitoring the setup wide band is very important fuel pressure is very important and i check stuff every time i use the car you know i, I inspect it to make sure everything's okay uh, you overheat a rotary it's done so but a lot of this stuff i don't feel like it's different than a piston motor if you've got a 500 to 1000 horsepower 2j you don't want to overheat it. You don't want to detonate it. You probably built the upper end and the lower end. And same thing with the rotaries. If you're expecting to run 15, 20 pounds or more boost, just like a piston motor, you've got to get the studs. You've got to do the machine work. You've got to build it right. Um, you know, 
and OEM parts. I use OEM parts. Um, a lot of aftermarket stuff out there doesn't last, so I use a lot of OEM parts, and they seem to last the best. So, you know, and I tell people, hit me up. I'm available. I work at a rotary shop. You know, I got. I, I am in charge of my Facebook account. You can hit me up. I make rotary parts. I will port your motor. I will set you up, but I'm not cheap. And I'm going to expect to do it right. So you can come to me, but we're going to have to do it right. So just, you know, that's how, that's how I like to do it. And that's how, with the help of, you know, Mazda Tricks and then uh, the recently formed uh, Built to Apex, which is a company I'm partnered in, um, you know, we have this opinion of either we're going to do it right or we're not going to do it. So if somebody comes in and they have this budget in mind, we tell them, no, it's, you don't tell us the budget. You just tell us when to stop, you know, you're out of money and we'll stop because <laughs> we're going to want to do it right. So, you know, I'm just going to have to read an ad here from our sponsor. It's in Swedish. So if you're a non-Swedish speaker, just hang on for 30 seconds and we'll get back to the show. Radio Power bygger och servar många av Sveriges absolut bästa tävlingsbilar och gatbilar. Och som generalagent för bland annat Mishimoto's racingkylare och K-Sport Racing sortiment med coilovers, bromskit och luftfjädring kan Radio Power leverera allt du behöver för att lyckas med ditt bygge. De har också specialiserat sig på tävlingsburar för både Time Attack, Drifting men nu även Rally. Så vare sig du behöver bygga en bur till din racebil eller sänka din daily driver så kan Radio Power leverera allt från bolt-on kits till skräddarsydda arbeten. Ett stort tack till Radio Power som hjälper oss att fortsätta göra det vi gör. All right, so and building one of these engines like that's a that's a huge part of it like the cost. As you said, you're not going to be cheap. Yeah. And 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 building a a rotary for FD running that and and FD is not really a cheap sport to be to be in and and like the decision behind that like how would you compare that to building a I don't know, 2J or a V8 or Why, why is it viable? You know, I think no matter what motor you start with, you're, you're going to end up spending a pretty reasonable amount to make it competitive for formula drift. Um, you know, to build a three-rotor the way I like to build them for competition drifting, uh, Minus the cost of the block itself, because you're probably going to buy a used three-rotor from Japan. We bring them in from Japan. Um, it's going to be in the neighborhood of, of $15,000 to $25,000 for the short block. Um, but at the same time, when I built my V8 car that I run in, in China... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Oops, I just dropped that. Um You know, when we built the LS car, everybody kept telling me, oh, this is going to be cheap. This is going to be great. And uh, we spent, I think, probably 15 grand on that motor, not including the supercharger. So, you know, that wasn't even a, a fully built V8. That was just me building it to where I felt it would hold together. Um, when I build a three-rotor, I'm building it to survive war. <laughs> I'm building it to, to sit at the rev limiter, to run 30, 40 pounds of boost, to take extreme heat. So I think, you know, when you're looking at like Honendale's V8 or uh, some of the modern V8s that are being built for Formula Drift, they're everything that a NASCAR V8 is or a drag race V8 is, in which case they're $15,000 to $30,000 motors. 
Um, when you're looking at Forrest Wang's 2Js or Kangushi's motors, um, Papadakis's motors, um, just to name some of the some of what's going on out there, and, and there's a lot of other teams building some really amazing motors and setups right now, um, which makes drifting so cool in my opinion. And again, why I push the rotary because it's a, it's one of the few sports that can be so diverse in in the motors. Um, but it doesn't matter what motor you start with. I tell people, pick what you love. Pick what you're going to be into. I love the rotaries. I love the noise. I love the boost. I love the power. There's nothing like it. Um, but if you're, if you're going to spend the money, pick something that you're into. And for me, I'm, I'm into rotaries and, you know, knowing that, trying other platforms, having raced, um, SR powered 240s, um, owning an LS powered RX-8. The rotaries are my favorite car. They have the, the biggest impact when you step on the gas. From when the boost hits to when you hit rev line, uh, red line, it's by far the most uh, aggressive, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And, and It may take a moment to spool, which we've done a lot better on this new car, but uh, I think it's got one of the sweetest power bands you can have. And I'm hoping to uh, show exactly what it can do with this new build. So I'm looking forward to yeah. to Atlanta and and all the other rounds. And then, what's your what's your favorite track? What what is it going to be this year? Do you think? Um, you know, all the Formula D tracks are pretty awesome. Um, I'm not a big fan of Seattle, but that's only because I keep hitting that banked wall. And uh, me and it are not friends right now. So we'll, we'll see how we do this year. Um, Orlando. Long Beach is like kind of my favorite track, but we already passed it. So things that are on the agenda, I'm looking forward to going Orlando. Something really cool about grabbing fourth gear on the gas, kicking the clutch, never lifting, and just humming like inches off the wall. And that track has the perfect radius. It's kind of a unique track, I think, as, a, as all of us drivers weren't exactly sure about going there. Um, it doesn't lend itself as a extremely technical track like Long Beach, Irwindale, but foot to the floor, max angle, wow. Like it's all about just keeping your foot down and holding the angle as deep as possible. People have been giving right. Orlando shit because mm -hmm. as you said, it's not yeah. a technical track. It's not a technical track. What would you compare it to New Jersey? Because it's the same kind of layout. So Orlando, you can get away with tickling the wall you can get away with uh with messing up and kind of hitting the wall um it's got a pretty sweet zone um you can run that track deep um new jersey is a car killer and i think there's two things about new jersey maybe three things now that i think about it that make you new jersey unique um the banking is extreme so the load on the car is really heavy puts a lot of heat into the motor um, puts a lot of aggressive strain on the chassis and the transition coming down into the infield is really aggressive too So you bottom the cars out. It really beats the cars up and on top of it It's a long track one of our longest tracks. So here you have this banking that is an excessive load and An excessively long track. So you're generating a lot of temperature a lot of extreme conditions on the car on top of it you have a guardrail 
track, not a concrete wall track. It's the only track we go to that's a guardrail track. And if you blow it and you catch one of those posts, it will kill your car. You'll go from, from 70 miles an hour to zero in one post. And I mean, I'm just thinking of it, at least four or five cars have been totaled at New Jer Jersey. And I mean, just done. Split them in half. Drivers injured. It's, it's rough. So I think that's what makes New Jersey technical is you really don't want to play with the wall. And to lay down a perfect run is hard. The track has dirt up at the top edge. If it's wet, it, it changes the conditions. Orlando is a concrete wall. The conditions up at the tra top of the edge consist of tire debris. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty predictable. Um, New Jersey is unpredictable and unforgiving. And so they're really not the same at all. And Orlando's a lot shorter. It's two turns. So there's no area that's a technical crossover, multiple clipping points. You've got a couple outer zones and a couple inner zones at Orlando. And you either hit them or you just suck, basically. Yeah, it's really short and sweet. <laughs> because there, Formula D gets a lot of hate. Oh, it's a, it's a NASCAR series now. Because yeah. we're, doing, we're doing only ovals now. And yeah. they're all the same and blah, blah. But as you're saying. Oh man, they couldn't be more different. And then, like, I guess you could compare Orlando or uh, uh, Seattle and uh, and Irwindale, but not at all. The entries are so different. Irwindale is so much more of a bowl. It sucks you into it. There's a lot more aggressive entry um, throttle on. Seattle is like wide open, and you're just floating around this almost flat banked track and then right at the end where you think you've got it nailed there's a pocket and that's right where the judges want you to suck out and then ride that yellow line down the power alley and that's extremely technical right there in my opinion and and Irwindale is is the opposite the the technical end comes into the flip in front of the crowd and then back into the inner oval so it's you know the opposite direction different technical aspects so it's like even though we run multiple ovals now not one of those ovals is even remotely close on setup or on the way you have to conquer it as a driver um every one of them has its own risky spots where you can total a car if you're not careful i would be thinking hard about all this when when i see you at the track yeah and, uh, you know we so we build you know a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car with a thousand horsepower motor as light as possible brand new and so we take it to a series that literally uh challenges you to tempt fate with the walls <laughs> i love it it's great my favorite thing to do <laughs> <laughs> all right so to to kind of kind of close this up now i, I really want to know what's in the future for for kyle mohan and for for your brand and everything else oh man so i'm i dream big it's just always been the way um you know we're running over in the wds series in china um we're gonna be heading over there this year uh trying to expand uh, upon that series as well as uh bringing some parts over to uh, china uh to help with the mazda kind of uh, lifestyle over there and uh, with that we started a product brand the built to apex brand which is uh, me and a buddy uh, water jet cad uh, designed 
U.S.-made uh, rotary and other components. We've done some parts for uh, Corvettes, Cadillacs. Uh, we're working on some Mitsubishi Evo stuff um, that's not even drift-related. But uh, we're happy to design or make products for anybody, really. Um, and as far as the racing goes, I really want to get back into Time Attack. We're talking about taking the RX-8 out to possibly Super Drift or some Time Attack events. As well as I'd like to do the uh, rolling half-mile race and see how fast it would go. Uh, we've been talking with some of our sponsors like GT Radial, Mazda, Mazda Tricks about maybe doing Pikes Peak in the future. Um, personally, I think the new MX-5 would be an amazing Pikes Peak car, hill climb car. Kangusha did something like Kangushi's that. Kangushi's done it. Um, Danny George attempted it. Um, big props to the guys that try it. It's a, it's a serious challenge. It's on my bucket list. I want to check that out. Um, we're continuing to expand what we're doing with GT Radial, Turbonetics, all of our partners. Um, the KMR store, we're expanding that. Basically, I've got a product line as well as products available from the store. Um, and I'd really like to expand into a larger team setup. Um, we've been talking about building a second MX-5, one for me to practice in when that car is on the road, as well as one to potentially offer up as a competition car for somebody coming into Formula Drift. Uh, my feeling is that that car is very competitive, and I think that uh, another driver could easily uh, hop into one of those and have a good time. And we've obviously had that in Formula Drift lately where drivers have been coming from overseas. Forrest Wang's car has been rented a few times. Um, you know, uh, Forrest or uh, uh, Forsberg has been renting out cars. Um, a lot of the big teams have been uh, kind of moving in that direction. And that's a direction I'd like to move as well. Team ownership, uh, team expansion. Um, I think we've got a really competitive setup, uh, competitive motors, and are looking forward to what the next few years of drifting bring us. And then you just mentioned that you want to expand as a team. And I just have to shine light on that because... I don't think that many people know that there are not a lot of people in your team. Yeah, yeah. So our team is really a, a small team. Um, in some ways, I, I like to keep it that way. Um, I'm very hands-on, and the people that I work with are very talented and hands-on. Um, Matt Hill, my engineer, is an amazing fabricator, has worked on uh, IMSA cars, trophy trucks, uh, all kinds of stuff, NAS trucks. And uh, I feel like his experience has definitely helped us build the new car to, to a new level that I never had the opportunity to, to drive something like that before. And then uh, a lot of the other team members are friends that have uh, grown up in the L.A. area playing with fast cars and unique experience that kind of shapes them into uh, interesting team associates. And then I've got family, my pops, uh, my wife. My wife's my spotter. My dad comes out and kind of is the team uh, team manager and then I've got a, a PR guy that uh, handles all my press releases and he doesn't handle all of them I'm gonna talk some shit on him but uh, he does really good work for me when it's important so <laughs> sometimes I I gotta handle some stuff myself but it's it's all good but uh, yeah it's it's a small team um, my goals are to expand larger trailer larger truck uh, multi-car setup in the near future it's uh, it's interesting that you've done this for so long and you still keep it that tightly knitted and and I think that yeah um, you've done well so the recipe works uh, I I just assume that and uh, I'm excited just to see what what happens uh, 
during the the coming years and you also have done some other things you you were a Europe pace car driver i think at yeah, the grand prix that was so much fun uh, me and multiple other uh, formula d drivers got the opportunity to drive the toyota pace cars and i mean it wasn't a mazda so i had mixed emotions about that it wasn't rotary <laughs> But uh, I drove a Lexus GS with a V8, and uh, it was an amazing experience driving with some other professional drivers. Um, I've been driving as an instructor out at Exotics, uh, driving Ferraris and Lambos and Porsches. That's quite fun. I've been trying to expand as a driver. I've done some uh, drift instructing as well. So if anybody wants to learn to drift, hit me up. And, uh, you know, just trying to expand on all of that. And just uh, big thanks to the, to the family, crew, fans for supporting and a big thanks to all the sponsors. A lot of my sponsors have been loyal to me now for, for many, many years. And, uh, you know, you can look back through the different cars I've driven and, and you'll see the same brands. And, uh, you know, I think that's really important. People like Turbonetics, Exidy, XXR um, have helped me for years. Um, Mazda, Mazda Tricks, big help. GT Radial came on strong the past couple of years, loving their new tire that we got this year. And uh, overseas in Indonesia, it's like rated as like a number one sport compact tire. So uh, I'm really thinking that this company, GT Radial, is going to be a strong company as they develop. And uh, just looking to uh, continue to run strong. Like stoked about the season in the new car. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. Or Orlando, New Jersey, Georgia, all good crowds. Looking forward to being back there. Awesome. Yeah. Canada. Not so sure about, but we're going to Canada, so <laughs> we'll be up there as well. Wow. Uh, well, I will be sitting and, and rooting for you on the Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it. Where can we keep up with you on social media and everything? So I try to keep up on the social media. I run most of the pages, so you're actually uh, chatting with me if I, if I say something back. Um, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, www.kylemohanracing.com uh, trying to get back with my YouTube page do more videos, stuff like that but uh, just just uh, say what's up keep track and uh, check out the new car whether you love it or hate it let me know and uh, and uh, we'll see what ha how the season goes <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, for having us and, and letting, letting us to actually come to your shop and, and do this uh, I, I just I don't know what to say, it's, it's been great yeah, pleasure being on. Um, you know, it's always great to get the opportunity to, uh, you know, just discuss what's going on. Because, yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, racing's almost a full-time job. And then I still have a side job building motors, which is my real job, not a side <laughs> job. <laughs> and uh, it's just awesome to get the opportunity to travel around the country and sometimes the world with friends and fellow drifters. And, and uh, just want to keep doing it. Sounds awesome. All right. We will try to get out of here as fast as possible. And um, I guess I will talk to you in a very short time period, I guess. Uh, yeah. During, during FD or whatever. Yeah, really. yeah, absolutely. And if uh, somebody wants to uh, take me out to play uh, in a different country, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to drive things fast. So. <laughs> All right. Come on. I'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.